Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, we'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline, and I'm on the marketing team. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Liz. I head up the Ballard creative team. We're your host. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of each show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. Now on with the show. Okay, everybody, we are so excited to introduce today's guest, Sophie Robinson. Sophie is a UK-based interior designer with over 20 years of experience working across TV and magazines. She hosts her own TV show called Dream Home Makeovers with Sophie Robinson, where she transforms homes with her keen eye for paint, pattern, and furnishings. She also judged the best emerging design talent on BBC Two's The Great Interior Design Challenge. Throughout her blog, online courses, and TV shows, you'll find that Sophie's secret sauce is her amazing use of color. She's on a mission to liberate us all from that beige and boring. And in today's episode, we're going to dive deep into her tips and tricks on how to live in color. Sophie, welcome to the show. Hey, isn't this so exciting to be here? I love it. Transatlantic podcast. So just to give your listeners uh, an idea, I'm, I'm here in uh, East Sussex on the south coast of England, overlooking my garden. All the daffodils are shooting up at the moment. What's it like for you uh, over in... Uh, you're over in... Um, oh, no, I forgot. You're in... Oh, Georgia. We're in Atlanta. You're in Atlanta. Our, our daffodils have just expired. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's still some some around, but yeah. Yes, we are on blooming trees. So oh, we are, we're mo- yes. yes. And oh, on the cusp funny. of what we call here the pollening. Oh, yeah, everything yeah. just turns neon green. Oh, I love it. Do you know what? Isn't this my favorite time of year? I mean, as a color lover, after we've had all that gray sky, Mm -hmm. we've had all that drizzle, like you say, all the trees are bare, the grass is kind of dead, and now the color's coming. I'm like, (laughs) I love it. Nature's going to show us all right now. (laughs) I want to know, just again, obsessed with you, love your work. And I am a color lover. So this is a dream come true, um, speaking to you. But I want to know just how did you get to this point and know that this was your focus? Because you own it fully. Yeah, so. interesting. Yeah, interesting question, because it hasn't always been that way. I mean, I have always loved color. I think it was love at first sight. I mean, I remember the first room I ever designed. I was seven years old. My parents were like serial fixer-uppers. We were always buying beaten down old (laughs) leaky houses and they loved doing them up. My dad worked in the motor industry and my mum was full-time sort of housewife, but she was wallpapering, decoupaging, stenciling. They were like (laughs) tiling out. Like they were so I grew up surrounded by the power of the transformation, seeing before my eyes, like coming home from school and like the kitchen was a different colour. So I think, you know, I kind of got the bug really early. But at seven, I remember my mum saying, right, do you want to pick the colours for your room? And then the sweetie shop was revealed to me. We went to the decorating centre and I was flicking through the wallpaper books and oh, just all the squeals. So obviously I had a rainbow uh, theme for my seven-year-old bedroom, naturally. Nothing has changed since then. And being the 80s, it had this kind of like graph paper wallpaper. Do you remember like really thin, fine stripes, but in blue, red, yellow, and green? Then there was a wallpaper border. Do you remember those? So Mm -hmm. 80s. Wallpaper border around the top with rainbows. And then matching curtains and duvet set. My God, like dream, dream makeover right there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I've got to admit that I think my bedroom was very similar, but in the pastel version. (laughs) Oh, yeah, the 80s pastels. (laughs) Yes. And there was also, do you remember that? um, Was it Puero the Crying Clown? Did you have that thing going on? There was that was a real 80s poster, (laughs) a little like French crying clown with the red and the black color scheme, because that was the other way to go in the 80s, wasn't it? It was very monochrome with red. Do you remember that being a thing? Anyway, I went for the rainbow brights, and I think I decided age seven that that was it, career choice made. Fast forward, I sort of studied art and design at 
university and then I got a job in magazines. And the thing is, is when you're a magazine stylist and journalist, you have to be able to comment on all the trends and all the styles. So then I kind of became this incredible chameleon because I could do every look. If it was new neutrals, then we'd do a shoot around that. If it was about boho or Moroccan or color soaked or, you know, pastels or whatever, as, as part of the editorial design team, we had to be able to do all the looks or our readers and show them how to get these looks in their own homes. So I kind of prided myself on the fact that I could do neutral, I could do gray, I could do color, I could do anything. And it wasn't really, I don't think, until the emergence of social media, you know, like Instagram and everything. And at that time, I was I was a judge on the Great Interior Design Show, which was, I think you can get that in America. I think it kind yeah. of does the rounds like on Amazon Prime or something. It floats around the, uh, the virtual <laughs> internet. I do occasionally get people from all around the world going, oh, I've just watched you on telly. And I think, wow, because that was 20, 2014, 15, 16, I did that show. And I used to wear a lot of colour in my wardrobe, big earrings. I had a reputation for wearing big earrings, brightly coloured tights, brightly coloured dresses. It was just a way of standing out on telly, really. And also, I loved the colour. So then people really associated me with bold colour. And so when it came to my Instagram account, which I kind of opened in 2016, I thought, well, I'm just going to post what I like. It's not. I'm not working for a magazine anymore. I'm not working for an editor. This is my feed, and I can put on it what I like. And I naturally like very bright, bold, saturated, maximist interiors. And then that was kind of how I then owned that. Like you say, I kind of own that space here in the UK for helping people understand how to put colour and pattern and be bold and be more daring. And like you said, Liz, break out of that beige box and add some personality to your house. <laughs> so it was always there from seven years old. Oh, and I kind of detoured with a magazine career and now I'm back to uh, what I really, really, my first love, which is colorful interiors. Oh my gosh, it, it, I loved every part of that story. And I, <laughs> and I totally agree. I, I love that you had decided at age seven. Um, yeah. So you teach so many classes and different workshops on um, color. And I wanted you to start kind of for our listeners on talking about the psychology of um, color and what it does for us. Yeah, it, this is a really interesting topic. And I think, you know, there's not that many people still talking about the importance of the psychology of colour. So, yes, you know, like I did age seven, I sort of discovered the colours that I really, really loved. And I've stayed true to that. But a lot of people never really go through that passage of self-discovery. Or indeed, maybe they get swayed by what's considered good taste. I think there's been a lot of people who've been sucked into the grey trend that's been very dominant in interiors. And I know this from my workshops is people come and they have a beautiful gray interior and it's very tasteful and very sophisticated. And then I get them mood boarding and discovering actually at their core authentically what colors they like. And they blows their mind. <laughs> their mind. They're like, oh, I can't wait to get home and decorate. Oh my gosh. You know, because people aren't connected to their emotional attachment to color. And I think that's the important thing to first flag up is it is a thing, you know, color is essentially... It's like an energy. It's a light that comes in, it hits the retina on our eyes and it sends a signal to our brain. And what's more is it sends a signal to the emotional part of our brain. This is what's really interesting about colour. So we actually physically have an emotional reaction when we see colour. And it's, you know, survival things. You can understand that if it's red and juicy, you know, it, it could be a lovely ripe apple. And if it's black, you probably shouldn't eat it. You know, I'm sure it's probably like basic survival things. <laughs> But I think when it comes to your interior, isn't it really important that you should consider surrounding yourself with colors that make you feel good? And here's the thing. Here's the thing about color psychology is we don't all react to color in the same way. And this is why it's so important. So, for example, take the globe's most favorite color, like globally, whatever nationality you are, the most commonly mm -hmm. color that's cited as being a favorite is blue. But then think about that. There's navy blue. There's a bright sort of Eves Klein cobalt blue. There's a soft powder blue. There's a greeny tealy blue. And the person who loves a sophisticated navy would absolutely freak out at a powder blue. <laughs> or, you know, someone who likes mm -hmm. a really rich, bold, that kind of Greek, lovely azure blue might feel like navy is really dead and boring. So 
it's not even as simple as picking your favorite color. It's all about the particular tone of color. And this works mm. with everybody can have a favorite. You know, some people will give you like a hate pink, but then there's pink and there's pink, isn't there? There's like bright pink. Then there's little brownie mm -hmm. sort of plaster pinks, which can look very soothing. So this is the process I try and get people to understand is, is what tone of color resonates with them. And then the next part of color psychology, which is why it's so useful for interior design, is in how you create harmonious families of colors. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you don't want to decorate your house all in 50 shades of gray, for example, you do want to have different colors in different rooms, create different moods and feelings, because this is what color does. It creates different emotions and different moods. Then how do you blend the colors together? You know, right. how do you have a blue hallway that then goes into a green kitchen that then moves into a pink living room? How do all those colors blend? So color psychology also helps you understand how colors blend tonally. So I think it's fundamental really for both interior designers and homeowners to sort of understand how this works. If you're going to make a home that you really resonate with, that you really, really love, it's exciting. I love it. Well, that leads straight into the question. I asked a few people if they had some color questions and it was very much the same of, I think a lot of fear is found in how do I make this cohesive throughout my home? I love it. I just don't, I don't want to make it seem like it's a fun house. So how do I make this work? So that's the thing. It's finding a family, isn't it? Because you're right. If you don't want to decorate your home all in one color, you also don't want to leap from one crazy color to the other. Or maybe you do, like, you know, right. I mean, for sure, so yeah. you might want that. You might want the yeah. fun house, right? And that's okay, too. Like, I'm. Yes, that is okay. <laughs> I'm you can have to... your own fun house. Yeah. yeah, totally, totally. But if you want something that blends and that feel, it's good, it's about creating a nice feeling to be. And we all know, don't we, when we walk into a home and it just, it just doesn't feel right, doesn't sit right. And that could be for lots of different reasons. But one of them could be the color story is jarring. So ultimately, I try start to try and think about the undertones. So I use in my color psychology theory, um, I was very inspired by a lady called Angela Wright. She wrote a lot in the 80s and 90s about this. And she taught lots of people. And I met Angela in the noughties. I met Angela. And I've kind of taken a lot of her very heavily researched theory and applied it to my own interior design practice to make it a little bit more applied, if you like. But she looked at colour families and used the seasons as an illustration of the mood and the feeling to help people understand how they go together. So, you know, we're talking about spring, weren't we, at the top of the show? Mm -hmm. And I love this time of year because it's about uplift, new life, vigour, inspiration, new start. It's bouncing lambs. It's little bunnies. It's newness. <laughs> it's youthful. It's light and bright. It's joyous. These are all the emotions mm -hmm. I feel around spring. And when we look at the colors and in the Northern hemisphere, for sure, I'm sure it's the same in the States as it is in the UK, our natural flora and fauna, they are those bright perky colors. Bluebells, daffodils, those kind of vivid bright greens of the new shoots on the trees. So the color palette is quite bright, but also got a lightness, a delicacy about it. It's not bright, hard bright, it's a so they're soft brights. So quite often the spring colour palette will have bright colours in, but it'll also have pastel soft colours in because it is a gentle time of year as well to communicate those feelings of youthfulness, of optimism, of joyfulness, of lightness, of brightness. So the family of colour links with the mood. But when you look at that seasonal time of year, that kind of helps you understand the energy. Mm -hmm. So then say you move into summer and here uh, in, in the UK, Colours actually, towards the late part of the summer, particularly the palette I'm looking at, begin to fade. They begin to come, become quite sun bleached. So you think of the hay fields, you think of the fact the leaves have lost that vibrant perky green and they're perhaps going a little bit darker. The flowers I think of in summer are like roses, hydrangeas, peonies. So again, it's quite a soft palette, but it's much more subtle and faded and gentle and graceful. And we also think of summer as if, if spring is a time to be busy, you know, we're in the garden, we're planting new seedlings, it's go, go, go. Summer's more of a time to like chill out, relax. So the palette that we put with summer is a lot softer, chalkier, probably does have grey in it as well, actually. That sun-bleached, wooden, weathered colour with the undertone mm -hmm. of grey, those very soft petal pinks. 
and the mood is more relaxed and it's softer and it's gentler. So that's if those colours resonate with you and that's the type of interior you want to create, you can be inspired by the summer colour palette. Shall I keep going into autumn? I'm aware that this, this is quite, yeah, this no, is quite a monologue, but you got me on it now. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> then you move into autumn. Now, autumn is another switch up into gear. Autumn's quite a busy time of year. It's the harvest. It's the abundance. It's the time when all the apples are falling from the trees. We're blackberry picking. The farmer's going in. He's cutting all the hay. It's like, go, go, go. It's another kind of busy time. Um, leaf blowers, like the gardeners are back out in force. It's also a time where we celebrate things. I, I guess you must do the same in the States, but here we have a big bonfire night and firework displays and um, everyone's lighting fires anyway, maybe burning all the piles of leaves mm-hmm. that they've been gathering in. So you think about that, you think <laughs> of richness and the sparkle and the fireworks. And then what are the trees doing in the fall? They're turning all those lovely vibrant reds or auburns or yellows and the, the the landscape can look quite fiery and splendid and amazing and color soaked so when we think about autumn personalities or fall it is isn't it in america you think about those really rich woody earthy colors so auburns russet reds olive greens conquer browns but you still have jewel colours in there too. Your teals would probably go in there and your magenta pinks. Anything that's got some heart and some oomph, but is earthy and grounding as well. That's your autumn palette. So if you want to create that kind of feeling in your home, cosy, welcoming, fiery, those are the colours you can use that create that feeling. And then lastly, moving through into winter, winter landscape is really all about being quite stark it's sharp it's like crisp white snow icicles the le- the trees have lost their leaves so they're looking very striking and sculptural against the kind of white sky landscape so there's a lack of color isn't there in winter predominantly so there's a lot of black and white you see a lot of monochrome interiors would fit into this striking stark impressive impactful but quite cold actually you know those sort of interior spaces where you're like wow this is really like edgy but oh it's quite chilly but some people really want that they want that cool vibe they want to look Mm -hmm. edgy cutting edge and then if you were to slice into any color you know you imagine just seeing like a little robin red breast sitting on a branch in winter and the pop of that red or the red berry there might be just a few red berries out in winter and they really pop so then in with color in a winter uh color palette you just use a pop of bright red or electric blue or something really, or, you know, a real acid yellow or something really sharp. But the effect is an interior that feels, yeah, striking, impressive, forward thinking, but not particularly cosy. (laughs) But then that's what some people want. So there we go. So it's it's just interesting how you can create these families of colours and understand the effect they have and therefore how they affect how people are going to feel when they walk into that space. So am I allowed to have more than one season in my house? I guess oh. that's my next question. Oh, well, now you've opened up that. <laughs> no, I've got to pick one thing. of my seasons. <laughs> so that, so absolutely you can. And this is the other thing is a lot of people will discover that they've got a primary and a secondary seasonal palette. So they'll okay. resonate with a couple of seasons, but you yes. always have a predominant one. And... Mm-hmm. It's not just about colour too. We get into pattern and styling and layout. All of these play into the mood of a space. So what I would say is if you've got two seasons, because you might have a partner as well, and, you know, what are they? And you've got to think about what they want. Root Mm -hmm. your home in a colour palette. And then you can switch the mood with the patterns and the styling to change things up. That's why I've written a whole online interior design course about this. It's quite a deep dive. I'm giving you the headlines. But, yeah, you you absolutely can do it. And I sort of break it down and we talk about colour a lot in colour psychology, but then it's the patterns that go with this particular mm-hmm. family of colours and the styling that goes with this look. And so it layers mm-hmm. on. But it's it sounds complicated, but actually when you break it down, it, it's just what I want to do with people. What I want to do when I, with my courses is help people understand that when you break down and get a bit of knowledge under your belt, it can embolden you to really go for it. Because I think a lot of people get stuck, as you've said, with, well, where do I even start? I don't even know what colours mm-hmm. I like. Well, I'm being told that um, pink's really fashionable right now. But what if I go over, get, you know, go off that? What if I spend, you know, thousands of dollars on a couch and then be like, oh, actually, no, I've gone off it. 
my thing is, <laughs> is if you do this work now you work out what colors truly resonate with you regardless of the trends then you won't go over, you won't mm. go off that pink couch you'll love it forever and so it's a good investment and then you can be bolder and you can make even more bold decisions because you're confident that you know what you really like and that's actually what really matters when it comes to our our homes feel quite passionate about this don't i (laughs) (laughs) yeah alicia you know what you're talking about (laughs) okay i have a question about values of color and Mm -hmm. how like so if you're choosing your color palette based on a season how do you find the right values of those colors and the undertones of those colors to make sure that some are popping forward and others are kind of the supporting characters of of your color palette. Yeah, because building up a color palette can be quite complex, especially, like you say, if you're wanting to use, I mean, I hear so many interior designers say, just use three colors in your scheme. I'm like, what? I mean, you're looking at my office here. This wallpaper alone's got about 12 colors in it, hasn't it? The one behind me. (laughs) So yeah, if you are wanting to build up quite complex color palettes, how do you make sure all those colors go together? And what, you know, going back to the color psychology color palettes and the harmonious color palettes, is it is finding that common value in color. So for example, with the spring color palette, we'd say that the colors are bright sort of delicate and have a sort of translucency about them so there's nothing very heavy in a spring color palette therefore if you pick any color again this is you would never have black in a in a spring scheme that would just oh we just look so wrong and it's good to understand that right it's good to understand that black doesn't naturally go with every single color palette it's not a neutral like that can be too heavy if you're using very pale colors um, so they have that similar similar quality. Then moving on to summer, I'd say that color palette has a grayness and a chalkiness in the background. So there's a little bit of gray added to every color. So your whites will be soft grays. Your pinks will be a powdery, soft grayish, dirty. You know, they sort of you know those like frown ball dirty colors. You know mm-hmm. the ones I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. They're not. Oh pure. yes. You know, spring's quite pure and clean. Summer's quite dirty, a little bit sludgy, but still soft. There's still a softness. Again, there's nothing very, very heavy in their palette. Then moving through into autumn, the reason why those colors would go together is because they have a richness and a coziness and a warmth in there. So again, there's probably no pure black, but there might be a nice warm charcoal, like an off black in there. That's, you know, it's just that nuance really of difference. You might err towards like a blacky chocolate brown rather than a pure black in an autumn palette. Mm. And your neutrals, your whites would be quite warm. They'd be warm, buff colored whites. There wouldn't really be a place for any cool grays in this autumn palette because the the harmonious things, it's the warmth and the richness. And then moving into your winter color palette, which is very striking and arresting, it is really clean, pure. I mean, there you would have pure, brilliant white. You would have pure jet black. And then your accent colors would also be a very pure, you know, lipstick red, a really pure pigmented uh, cobalt blue would be in there. Or that sort of not a banana yellow or a hay or a harvest yellow. It would be a very clean lemon yellow. So that's why they work, because they have that quality in common. If you had a very pure winter scheme and you went through a sludgy olive green in there, can you already realize that would be so wrong, wouldn't it? You've got that kind of high shine, black and white, mm-hmm. sharp, crisp color palette. And then you throw in a mustard yellow. I mean, already I'm shuddering. I'm thinking, oh, God, that'd be so wrong. But that's because I understand color. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, but a sludgy mustard yellow with a dirty white and a very dark graphite coaly black would work. You know what I mean? It's the nuance, man. I mean, it's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. But it's like when you understand, is it warm? Is it cold? Is it soft? Is it hard? I'd say those are the kind of four headline mm-hmm. qualities that you want to make sure your colors have in common. I have got color palettes on my blog, by the way, for anyone listening to this going, I can't visualize. You know, I do. I put, I put these color palettes. I'm trying to help you. Look. Yeah, it's yeah. a very visual love- thing we're talking about. I love that way to start. It almost makes me think of like a children's book of opposites. And mm. So so really kind of picking, is it soft? Is it hard? Is it, mm-hmm. you know, so that's kind of a fun way to, to think about 
the core I think about as well think start really asking yourself how does this color make me feel it's like is this a happy buoyant joyful yellow or is this a sludgy warm cozy yellow or Mm -hmm. is it a striking sharp yellow do you know what I mean? Just already those words, those are emotional words, words about how you feel, mm-hmm. but I'm talking about a colour. So I think that's how you can start doing it. So if I'm trying to create an interior that feels soft and graceful and sophisticated and relaxed, I'm not going to put an acid yellow in there. In fact, I might not put any yellow in there, actually. I might be more mm-hmm. towards the soft blues and greens if I'm trying to create that, that kind of vibe. But it's not going to be an electric blue. It's going to be a soft duck egg. Do you know what I mean? It's sort of like... Yeah match the color to how you want the room to feel. And then I think you'll find that they will all go together. If we're starting out and trying to understand color ourselves, is it safe to say that like we should like do a color test for ourselves and like kind of test our emotion, our initial reaction and emotions? Yeah, 100%. 100%. So many people come to me and go, right, what paint color should I paint the walls with? And I'm like, whoa, back up the truck. I mean, you are like halfway down the design process. (laughs) We're not not even... You know, I can see that the problem is you've got the decorator booked and you need to pick a paint colour. But there is like so much more work that needs to be done before you get there. And I think if you are redecorating your home or you've moved somewhere new and you're starting from scratch, it is really worth doing this work now. It will save you so many bucks, so many mistakes and disappointments later on down the line. So, yeah, where do you start discovering what your authentic sense of color is and i think you can look in lots of different places but you've got to feel it this is the headline you've got to feel that color how is this color making me feel brilliant place to look is your wardrobe you know for example is you have got on an amazing ruby red lipstick right now it looks amazing on you i bet that's a color you know you really love it really suits you it lights up your face and i imagine if you, i went into your wardrobe i'd probably see a few pieces you know that have that lovely strength of color you're someone who's not afraid of a nice strong color you know it might be like looking at your nail polish you know you look at my nail polish collection there's going to be bright pink coral red i've got an electric blue nail polish but then if I looked at my friend's nail polish collection, it would be all nudes and soft pinks and subtle colours. So it's like, start looking, start looking in places like that for sure. I think the other good place to look at is to get out and about. I mean, I'm sure you've got great bars, restaurants, hotels, art galleries, spaces mm-hmm. to check out. And these places have been designed professionally and they've been designed to look amazing. They're designed to be nice places to hang out. They want to like coax you in, spend money. Yes, enjoy the food, but I always go for the interiors. That's always my number one thing. (laughs) Whenever I'm like booking a holiday or a vacation or a table, I'm like onto Uh the gallery of the restaurant first. I like the way it looks. Yeah, Yeah. fine. I'm sure the the food will be okay, but like the interior is amazing. (laughs) I definitely do the same. Yeah, totally. So I think that's the other thing. Like what spaces do you like to hang out in? You know, bars, cafes, libraries, anything like what? Just think about spaces that you like being in thinking, God, this is really cool. This space. Why do you like it? Start checking out the design details, the lighting, the colors, the finishes, the materials, all of those sorts of things. And then finally, you are then allowed onto Instagram and Pinterest, but only as a last resort, because (laughs) that place is like so overwhelming. And I Mm -hmm. think it can lead people on a few red herrings and a few tangents because it is mm-hmm. so much stuff, so beautifully photographed. And I mean, I'm sure you know just as well as I that there's always a whole heap of mess behind the camera and we've taken the angle of the best mm-hmm. bit and then he's like bumped up the lighting so it looks even more gorgeous. Yeah. So I'm sceptical of getting too much inspiration online. I think it's good mm-hmm. to get there once you've already honed what it is you like. And Pinterest is brilliant. You know, the search bar, it'll show you more and more of what you love. It's a fantastic tool, but don't just rely on the 2D. <laughs> you know, check out. Mm-hmm. As I said, you've got to feel it. Go into spaces and ask yourself how how they make you feel. Okay. So we figured out our season, which I also want to know what season you are, Sophie. Oh, can you guess? Yes. Can you guess which one? What would you put I me was, as? I was going to guess spring was my... <laughs> yes! After our combat. Yeah. So. Yeah, I am. I am. I'm major spring with a the secondary of autumn. So okay. my home is, yeah, it's joyful. It's a riot. It's busy. It's uplifting. But then it's also somewhere that I also want to ground myself and retreat to. So I also use some of those richer, darker colors as well from the autumn palette as my sort of secondary. 
but very good detective work. I'm impressed. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So on to mood boards, because I know that's something Mm. else you teach when, okay. So we feel it, we figure out where we are. What is the best formula for gathering our mood board? Oh, do you know what? I'm so old school. I've been doing this so long. I am wedded to an old fashioned stick and glue sketchbook. I just love them mm-hmm. because I think there's something very meditative about collecting images and arranging them. And I go through a lot of thinking. T- I take quite a long time over my mood boards and it's thinking time. How do these, how does this feel? Have I got the balance right? Are these colors really what I want? And I like to see the real thing. I do print images off Pinterest though, for sure. Like I print stuff off off online onto paper and then mix it with my Pantone chips or my paint chips or bits of fabric that I've got in the office to build up a look. But I think it's a real meditation. And that's what I'd say to people as well. This is something not to do in half an hour, like clear an afternoon, clear a Sunday afternoon, make, you know, put some nice tunes on, scented candle, make it like a nice thing to do and gather all your inspiration. You know, you've probably already been doing your Instagramming or your Pinteresting and gather your stuff and then lay it out. However, because I say this to all my students, and then on our private Facebook group, they're all sharing their digital mood boards. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm aware I'm fighting a losing battle because digital mood boards are obviously so much easier and quicker to put together. You can drag and drop images and put them in a PowerPoint or use them in Canva. You know, you don't even have to have expensive software. So, you know, I'm... I'm aware that there there are two ways to do it. But I, I think the problem with me with the digital, it's, a, it's again, it's getting back to this feeling. You've got to really feel it. And I think sometimes unless it's in the real world and you're touching mm-hmm. those paint chips yeah, and as you're cutting out those images and you're kind of like moving them around in front of your eyes, you're missing, you're missing that element, that meditative element of thinking time, which I think is really important when you're conjuring up a new scheme. You know, I want to make one more case for an analog mood board mm. is that if you print out your mood board or you cut it out and you put it out, tape it to the fridge, put it in your mm. bathroom, put it someplace where you're kind of walking mm. past and kind of note what your reactions are in those in-between times where you're not hyper-focused on creating this beautiful board. Well, I was going to say the same thing. So Sophie, I'm designing a house right now, my personal home. So again, it's all about feeling. But to your point, you can make a mood board. But again, so many, it's all coming down to an actual tangible item in the end. Like it is a home, a space you're living in. And so I've, I've been doing more gathering of materials because I'm not a designer. So I don't have the knobs on hand that I always use or the floor colors that I always use. So I'm completely in a gathering phase of like trying to gather the actual tangible materials to become real things. So. Oh, that's so important too, isn't it? I mean, again, you know, I suppose professional interior designers, they obviously have boxes and boxes of swatches at their fingertips, but for anyone doing up their home, you've got to go out and gather that stuff. And it is really important, especially where we're ordering everything online these days. And you cannot rely on the digital representation of that color. Like I have had a few people going, oh, I thought I'd ordered a green sofa and it turned up and it's blue. (laughs) It's like, well, you know, you can, most companies will have a swatch service, even if it's a ready-made product that you're buying, they can send you a swatch of the fabric or the curtain fabric or whatever. I mean, hard with a sofa, but I'd say otherwise, you know, if you are ordering stuff online and it's not right, send it back. Like, seriously, you Mm -hmm. know, you do have to get this right. If you have ordered something that you thought was red and it turns out and it's actually orange and you're like, oh, no, it's no good. So make the use of those sort of free return services and stuff. But where you can get the actual swatch. Again, with the paint chips as well, that's really important. You know, usually on a color card, you get like a tiny little slither of a thing. I think everybody knows now that you've got to get the tester pot. Do a huge swatch as well. One of these little like A5 size swatch. And make a massive swatch on a piece of paper or card, never on the wall, because then your decorator or yourself has got to paint it out again afterwards and it's a headache. The other great thing of making a giant swatch is you can move it around the room. You can see what that color looks like by the window because it'll look completely different when you stick it in the alcove. And again, Liz, you know, you can walk past it every day. Just absorb that color for a mm-hmm. while, you know, especially if it's a bold color, right? You know, you just kind of want to like check it. What does it look like in the morning? Because it's kind of going to look really different by the evening. 
So this is all, you know, it's time. Time is the best investment you can make when it comes to decorating. Gather your swatches. Mm. Yeah. Get your tester pots. And yeah, stick up that mood board. I love that idea. And it also kind of helps you manifest your room a bit when it's in your face every day. Do you know what I mean? If you're seeing it somehow before you know it, that sofa that's on your mood board, you suddenly realize is in the sale in the store down the road. And you know, because you're you're like, it's in your brain all the time. You're thinking of this room all the time. Mm -hmm. And then you can spot those bargains or you can spot the perfect thing. Because I think that's all kind of important too. It's then having the vision is is the first part. And then fulfilling the vision by sourcing the right things is the second part. And you've got to keep on track with that no like going on crazy tangents. that's another thing people say oh well you know I know I wasn't I was going to have a blue sofa but then I saw this yellow one in the sale and it was such a great discount it's like yeah but that Mm. totally doesn't work like what were you thinking that totally doesn't Mm -hmm. work with your scheme do the vision and then yeah stick to it all right what was the biggest color mistake you have ever made one that you're like oh oh god I need to think some answers to these sorts of questions. Everyone always wants to hear a disaster story. Oh, people oh. love hearing disasters. People we love all want them. to know people make them. Yes, I think we put you designers on a yeah. pedestal. So it's so wonderful to be like, oh, they also painted a puke green and decided that didn't work. Didn't work. <laughs> Do you know what? I just honestly can't think of one. It makes me sound yeah, really conceited. <laughs> I think... Okay, no, I have one. I have. I'm trying to think if I ever decorated a room and thought, no, I've got to redo it. That yes, there is one. Oh, you're going <laughs> to love this. So this is actually in my house. And it is in this room that you can see behind me, which is my office at home. And I have a lot of color in my house. Like it's color soaked. Every room is intense. Love it. When it came to my office, I was like, do you know what? I'm just going to paint it white. I'm just going to have like a white working space, white walls. And then I can hang up my mood boards on my, you know, I can see I've got a big mood board here behind me. You know, I just have my inspiration will bring the color and the pattern. And I'm going to have some plants and I've got some nice art and I'll just do that. But the, but it's my blank canvas. My workspace is my blank canvas of which I'm going to create all these amazing interior designs. So we did it, did it all in white. And I hate it. I just hate it. And I put up my mood board and I filled it with plants and I just never wanted to be in this room. I just never wanted to be in here. I found it so uninspiring and just put me in a low mood whenever I came in here. And then I sort of realized that, you know, that was the mistake I'd made. I'm just not a white box person. It doesn't lift me up. It doesn't make me feel creative. It doesn't make me feel energized. It doesn't make me feel happy. So I then, this is a house of Hackney wallpaper behind me to explain to your listeners. It's basically bubblegum pink on the outside. And then it's got a a rehash of a William Morris chintz design on it. So it's heavily patterned, heavily floral. And I'm looking, it's got lime green, purple, lilac, teal blue, electric orange, red. I think there's a lime green in there in the so if you can picture all those colors together it's psychedelic (laughs) and I absolutely love it and now this is my favorite room in the house and I'm so happy and then I've got striped lines and striped curtains and I've got artwork and I've got a patterned Persian rug on the floor and it's just maximum maximalist attack and I feel so happy and creative in here so what was I thinking with my blank canvas creative space didn't work for me Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I was so again, I I've actually had the same thought. So you might have just hurt me in my plans, but in a good way. <laughs> what well, were you gonna do the are you gonna do the blank canvas creative space? I had thought that as well because I am, but I also am this is a rental home. That's why the walls are white um, here. Um, but I'm also not a white person, so I don't know either. Well, now that you just you know, learn from my it, mistake. It was yeah. <laughs> it was a disaster. A disaster creatively. I love I that. Known that. I know if I go to any all white interior spaces, they could be the most beautifully designed home. I mean, I, I went to Kelly Hoppin's home in London. Oh my god, it's impressive. Like it's stunning. But it's fifty shades of grey. 
oh, I was, I was done after an hour. I mean, I like her company. She's fun. But I was done, mm-hmm. oh, done with the interior. I was ready to leave by the end of the, <laughs> by the, end of the ghetto. Mm-hmm. It's just not my vibe. Doesn't lift me up, that kind of mm-hmm. monochrome thing. So, you know, right. you just got to know. That's what I mean. You've got to get in those spaces, feel it, and know what your jam is, basically. So it's totally okay, though, if your jam is like you're a just neutral girl like you. Yeah, we know. And so when you have people like that, you you're just thinking tone wise, everything down, bring pigment levels down, like keep it. Yeah, I, I think you raise a really good point. Summer. Like, you know, yeah, you're probably summer. If you like something really restful, really calm, really soft, relaxed. You know, even all that sort of shabby chic vibe, you know, that kind of that's quite mm-hmm. that's sort of washed out linens, faded florals. It's very summer mm-hmm. palette. But if you like neutrals that are all white but stark and harsh, maybe like a John Pawson minimalist interior or something like that, you know, that mm-hmm. might not have any color in, but the effect is really different. It feels hard, it feels striking, you know, it feels monastic almost. Mm-hmm. That's not summer, that's winter but they might both have a lack of color, but quite different feels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one okay. will be very soft, romantic, graceful, and mm-hmm. very washed out colors where the other one would be, because the styling would be a lot more stark and minimalist. I'd say you're like a pure minimalist interior, like an architecturally designed penthouse, minimalist penthouse. That would be very winter. Whereas you're kind of like New England, all white wash, weatherboard with a like washed out linen sofa. You know, like kind of mm-hmm. who's those big mm-hmm. stars? Oh, what's her name? Oh, she's all over the telly. Uh, is it? <laughs> oh, I think. Oh, brilliant. you? No, uh, she's on net. Oh, she's a big Instagram. She's she's got a Netflix show called Dream Home Makeover. Dream Home because I'm Dream Home Makeovers, and you've got a me- you've got a show in the states called She McGee. Oh yeah. yes, yeah, Dream yes, McGee. right. So yes. that's very white, isn't it? But I'd say that's very yes. summer. She's a very, that would be who I kind of, yeah, was speaking to. That's yeah. such a vibe that people are going for. So, yeah. Yeah. It's um, big, isn't it? In America, they're loving all that. Yeah. Oh, yes. Everyone's loving that. Um, I think we're calling it, you know, some people say the word farmhouse, but then others. Yes. Are, yeah. Are staying away from farmhouse. that word. Oh, mm-hmm. are we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's kind of like when rustic was big and now we're right. away from rustic. So we went yeah. to the farmhouse and then we stepped away from the farmhouse. So we're somewhere <laughs> out in the yard now, but we're not. Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. I'm going to ask to finish this a very personal it's me it's about me um question but i think you i have wanted to know this i i cannot pick one color and you will probably be able i can describe it and you'll probably be able to help me so i'm trying to do a dining room it is all wall one wall is all windows and then the other side is a little bitty built-in cabinetry bar and then there's a big opening on one of the walls and the other is pretty solid with a walkthrough door. Anyway, it's a dining room. I have decided to paint the wet bar area bright yellow by Benjamin Moore. It is slap you in the face yellow. So there is no, it doesn't go anyway. It is a primary yellow. I have committed to that. The cabinet guy has told me it was hard to do, but he has done it. So, and I want to do bright yellow silk drapes on the windows because I think it will be killer, but I don't like, so now I want to take, which I I'll go ahead and say, I know I'm spring. I want now to make it so when it's candlelit at night, as the party continues, that it will feel warm and lovely. So I'm somewhere between a pink, which I've heard everybody looks lovely in candlelight and pink, and my true love of a very light lavender dust, or you know, with oh the acidy yellow. Yeah. How? But now I'm nervous because I don't want to oh, go too but listen, blue I was with my wheeling over here. <laughs> lilac and acid yellow. Oh my god, there was never a combination more made for one another. I love that. So how do I, but how do I pick the purple? Like I've made, I've committed on the yellow. I cannot yes. pick. I'm just going to call it purple because I know we can call it a hundred shades of yes. within that. It's in the pur- purple, lilac, violet family. Mm-hmm. But do I go, do I go more of a pinky purple to complement the, the, you know, because it's so much yellow. So yes. with your knowledge so of this tones. Yellow, is, it, is it similar to your ear cans on your um, headphones that you're, is it, sure. is it a I'd very probably call these yellow? more of a, this are, these are a little limey. 
was yeah, trying to see. Light. Okay. It is, it is. It's a very sunshine yellow. Canary. It is, is it canary sun- yellow? Yes. 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 So sure. canary yes. rather than banana golden. More. Correct. There is no gold. Yeah. It is yellow. There's no gold. It's yellow. Oh, God, I love it. I mean, I'm visualizing it already. It just looks so good. I would use that, you know, because it's your spring. And this is a spring yellow. It's bright, but it's not heavy. I'm daffodil. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So when you're, I mean, I'm seeing quite a clean, fresh lilac. Like, yes. I'm not seeing a heathery, okay. uh, mauvey, dusty violet that you'd see maybe in summer. It's got to be quite clean. So I'd look for those okay. qualities. And I think you are going to have to get the tester pots out and see what it looks like next oh. to this yellow for sure but think um, about keeping it quite a clean crisp lilac nothing too gray i'm not feeling the pink for some reason i don't know you could go pink would be the other way yellow and pink is uh, fabulous together well it but felt I, like the pink would have to be dirtier like yeah. where the lavender mm-hmm. felt clean and i don't know why mm. i don't know why mm. i feel that way but yeah i really mm-hmm. i love the idea of it i think and i think the reason why i love it as well is it feels very fresh and modern do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It feels a bit edgy, lilac and bright yellow. It feels very new. Like I don't know why the again the fresh. saturation, mm-hmm. the saturation separations are like what is like. I'm just mm, I love something. Yeah, that's... I would. I, I mean, I think you're going for a paler color. I mean, I'm not imagining like a deep emperor purple mm. on the walls. Like it's not a again, it's not a heavy color. It's it can be strong in tone, but it doesn't feel or look heavy. So it's not deeply saturated. It's got lots of translucency about it. I would focus on that. Do you have Designers Guild as a paint brand over? Do you have Designers Guild as a decorating brand? She's a she's a British interior designer, but she sells paint and fabric. She's very big over here. She might be over here. I would give her a Google anyway, Designers Guild, and look at her color palette. It's very spring, and there'll be some good lilacs in there, I'd say. Love it. Okay. (laughs) See, I knew I could make this about myself. Everyone's welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I just, I think it sounds heavenly. Uh, Sounds really cool. Your rooms are heavenly to look at, so I knew you would you would guide me the right direction. <laughs> I'm so. actually desperate to get some lilac in my house, but I need an extension or something first because I've run out of rooms. But <laughs> I think I think lilacs is <laughs> a seriously cool color. Well, well, TBD. I'll yeah. let you know what, yeah, which one I, I choose. Just, I just live vicariously through you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Would you help us to do a decorating dilemma? Yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. Right. So this week's is from Stacy, and she writes, Hello, ladies and fabulous guests. Thank you for answering my previous questions. I w- it was so fun and helpful to hear it discussed on the podcast. I'm back with more dilemmas. My house was built in the late 70s. You walk in the front door to a large entry, and if you turn left, you walk down two steps into a sunken living room. I have a navy blue velvet sofa on the way to replace the sofa in the photo, and I would like two matching chairs to replace the two next to each other in the living room. My vision is an eclectic mix of modern and traditional. I love maximalist style and mixing color and patterns. Here are my questions. What would you suggest for wall treatment and windows and molding? I'd like to get this figured out before I choose curtains and wall color. And then two, how do I paint the walls in these rooms where there isn't a break with closed casings? Three, can I do wallpaper on walls that have texture or do the walls have to be flat? And hers all have texture. Um, And number four, should I paint the stone on the fireplace? If so, what color? Um, So any other thoughts would be so welcome. Thank you so much, Stacy. And she has included four photos all with white walls, no crown molding. Um, it's pretty clean. And then she does have a very linear stone fireplace. The stone is linear, not the fireplace. <laughs> or brick. I guess it's brick and stone. Yeah, it could be brick. It looks quite 70s yeah, though, brick. doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes, it feels it feels 70s for sure in this home. And you can all picture it right now. It's kind, of like, it's kind of like the classic white box Mm-hmm. blank canvas really isn't it it's interesting mm-hmm. and i think one thing that is great about 70s houses is they do have great proportions you know this is a generous size mm-hmm. living room so the layout is you know 
not complicated. Um, lovely big windows. And I'm seeing, I'm wondering whether this is like an elevated floor because I saw seeing treetops out the windows, which I'm loving. Lots of gorgeous mm -hmm. natural light. And then from the shots, we can see that it's open plan into the hallway and then through into the kitchen diner. So this is where the problem comes with blending colour, where you've got no doorways mm -hmm. or architraves to kind of create a break that she's talking about. But my first thing is, and this is really interesting because we might have quite cultural differences on this, but I'm really interested with this question for wall treatments, windows and mouldings, and obviously getting this figured out before she chooses any curtains and wall colour. I mean, I wouldn't think this was somewhere where you'd need to add any mouldings. I mean, I think here in the UK, we're quite into honouring the integrity of the architecture. <laughs> <laughs> Probably more so than here, for we sure. Are, but, but I suppose it's because we've got a longer a longer heritage of period properties, you do. haven't we? So, you it, do. so we tend to not like to fiddle around by putting faux mouldings and finishings in. And mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, when I hear the word mouldings, I hear from a British point of view, traditional mouldings like coving and ceiling roses and mm -hmm. skirtings and architraves. Is that what you're hearing? Is that what she's suggesting? Or is mouldings mean something different? She could. She Yeah, she could mean applied moulding to the walls too. And yeah, to your point, just adding more stuff. Or it could be mouldings to create texture on the walls, for example, mm -hmm. timber mouldings. So mm -hmm. yeah, so, so my thing from the get-go is my little rule of thumb is never put mouldings, period mouldings into a home that are older than your house. Does that make sense? So for a yeah. 70s house, you wouldn't put Edwardian or Victorian or Georgian or because yeah. you could only put things post 70s <laughs> in a house. So otherwise, right. I think it starts, mm -hmm. it doesn't feel right because you mm -hmm. know it's not a Victorian house. Right. So, you know, because it will look like a 70s house as you're walking up to the front door, right? So I just right. wanted to like <laughs> click that on saying I don't feel a need to add any architectural mm -hmm. moldings to this house and I and I think what I always do as a designer as well is I walk in and I think what are the home's best bits and I don't feel like this home is lacking it's as I said it's spacious mm -hmm. it's got beautiful windows so you know you've got good bones girl Stacey your house has got good <laughs> bones you don't need to dress it up it is beautiful it's beautiful it's really beautiful so then she comes on to asking about window treatments and this is before we've even got into color scheming and so again as a as a reaction to the architecture you want to keep this feeling of openness and lightness I think and harness that so I think keep your window treatments quite tailored away from the sides of the window no heavy drapes covering up the glass keep that light coming in you could have blinds, lovely tailored Roman blinds at these windows would look really sharp, or you could have curtains, but I would keep them well framed away from the, you know, when they're drawn, you're still letting all that lovely natural light mm -hmm. in. Those are just the practical thoughts that I have on that first question. And then it's no, like I think wall colour. Yeah. Then it, then we're getting into wall colour. And this is, you know, back to my old chestnut of like, whoa, 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 back up the truck, wall colour. <laughs> we haven't even started. So, you know, Stacey, I'm afraid I am not going to tell you what colour to paint your walls because, Stacey, you've got some work to do. You've listened to this podcast. Now you know that you need to go and figure out your own wall colour. But there are some things that I can help you with in terms of creating this maximalist vibe that you're after and the fact that you want to mix colour and pattern. So I can give you tips on that. First of all, should we, should we talk about the fact that this is an open plan space, which gives loads of people mm -hmm. headaches? And quite often people then just go for a neutral all the way through those, well, it's essentially four spaces. We're talking about a living room, hallway, kitchen, dining room, all without a, a closed door between them. So mm -hmm. people get terrified with that. Now, I think you can do really cool stuff with different paint treatments in an open plan space. So first of all, your ceiling, I think, does have to be one color because there is absolutely no visual breaks on that at all. At the moment, it's white. That's not a default for me. Ceilings don't have to stay white. But I think it should stay a light color because, again, we're trying to maximize this feeling of light in here. That's, I think, the nicest thing about this particular house. Then the walls do turn corners at 90 degrees, and that's a natural break point for me. And I don't think you need an architrave or a molding to break the color. You can just use that crisp line, that 90 degree crisp corner to make your color change. Um, and that can look really super cool. But then it goes back to what tonal family are you going to use? 
So, you know, you might have your, let's just take, Taryn, your colour scheme. You may have lilac in the living room, but then you want to go yellow in the dining mm-hmm. room. So you'd have all your living room colours in the lilac. And then as you turn the caller, crisp line into the yellow, but make sure those colours sit nicely mm-hmm. together. And if those colours sit nicely together, then that can actually look really exciting and really, really cool. And then as you turn into the kitchen, you know, you can pick another colour or you can indeed paint your cabinets a colour. So don't feel that because you don't have any closed doorways that you can't blend different colours next to one another. But they do they do have to look lovely. I mean, one thing I love about open plan spaces, for example, she's done a shot here from her living room looking past the fireplace and you can see the dining room beyond. If that back dining room wall was a contrasting colour to the sitting room wall, oh, the joy in that, seeing those two colours juxtaposed next to each other can be lovely. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this is a big project because you've actually got to design all four rooms together. You can't really just isolate your Mm -hmm. living room. You've got to think of your whole ground floor space together, unfortunately, Stacey. So I would really, really work on that colour palette. A few places to start, like we've mentioned uh, your wardrobe, haven't we? We've mentioned getting Mm -hmm. out and seeing some art galleries. And I mean, I find artists' paintings of Fabulous place for colour palette inspiration. Or indeed, for example, in this room that I'm in at the moment, I've told you about my house of hackney wallpaper. A wallpaper swatch, if it's got a complex colour story going on, can be a wonderful jumping off point to then pull out paint colours, pull out fabric colours. So, that, so for example, in this room, how that's worked for me is the pink is the background colour, but I haven't really used that anywhere else. I've taken the, the dark blue from the flower motif And that's been used on my doorways, my architraves and my fitted joinery. I've then used a ticking stripe because I love a stripe and a floral next to one another. I just love that, the sharpness of a stripe next to a really jazzy floral. So my striped curtains and blinds are a navy and white ticking stripe, but it's the same blue that's in the joinery that's also in the wallpaper. So there's a common thread. You can mix patterns and planes as long as there is a common thread throughout. So it might be finding that hero wallpaper or fabric or maybe the colours in your rug. You've got a fabulous rug in this room that will bring the colour harmony. And then, as I've said, you can really have as many colours as you like. But finding that colour palette, Stacey, is going to be up to you to do the work, I'm afraid. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. All right. Now, what about painting the, the actual oh, the fireplace? fireplace. <gasps> oh, painting the fireplace. <laughs> yes, this could be quite contentious. Yes, no. Original Mm. features and painting fireplaces. I mean, I think a 70s house, no one's, you know, the police aren't going to come around and arrest you if you paint it. You're not covering up some incredible, you know, period piece of historic relevance. (laughs) So I'd give yourself a break uh, if you do decide to paint it. And indeed, it could look really nice just painted out in the wall colour if you don't want to make it pop out the other thing actually which i haven't touched on which is probably relevant here is color can really draw the eye i use it a lot so when i'm looking at a room's best bits i kind of want to decide where do i want to draw the eye so for example i might put quite a strong fabric at your windows to draw your eye to that lovely view outside if you didn't have a nice view outside so you just looked at a city block opposite i probably wouldn't want to put a very eye-catching window treatment because that isn't the bit that's the best bit of the room. I might then want to do the fireplace in a really strong colour and draw your eye over there instead. So for me, mm-hmm. looking at this room, I'm not feeling like your fireplace is actually the hero in the room, particularly. It's tucked around. You, you actually, when you walk into the room, you don't even see it. It's kind of tucked. It's actually in quite an odd space because the way you have to sight your furniture means that you've always got your back to it as well, which is a bit quirky. So if you wanted to paint it and blend it away, then uh, I don't think you should have a problem with that. But if that brick red colour actually ends up quite a cool part of your colour palette, you know, if you're an autumn person and you love all those rich, warm, earthy tones, then the brick could probably go quite well. If you're more like Taryn and you like the yellows and the lilacs and all the pretty pastels, it's going to really jar, isn't it? And you might want to paint it out. So I think, again, Stacey, I'm going to have to leave that up to you to make the final decision. That's perfect. You gave her the guidance she needed to go forth. So (laughs) that's all I'm here to do. I can't give anybody the easy answer because I think the real trick to successful decorating is when you work Mm -hmm. it out for yourself. And that's only you know how you want, you really want your home to look and feel. 
Okay, she does have one technical one, which I think mm -hmm. you could answer is, if her walls have texture, you can't put wallpaper on them. Yes or no? If she's already got textured wallpaper on there, or she's got, uh, in the UK, we call it Artex, which is like a textured plaster finish. Uh, you can't wallpaper on top of that, no. Uh, she'd have to strip that off. Um, it's a really laborious job, but it might be worth it. Um, again, I'll leave that up to you in terms of time and expense. Mm -hmm. When I moved into my house, it was covered in the stuff. It looked like the top of a wedding cake. They'd gone crazy with it. It was all over the ceilings. It was over the walls. And it made the house look quite old fashioned. And I just wanted, it, they were trying to fake it. I think they were, and again, it's quite a 70s, 80s thing to do. These sort of faux rustic finishes. Mm -hmm. So I would say, Stacey, if you can, I'd try and get rid of the textured plaster or indeed the textured wallpaper. If you want to do the color on the wall thing that I was talking about, where you, you have one color on one wall and then you switch it as you turn the corner, you will need that crisp line and a textured finish isn't going to give you that crisp line. So it wouldn't work so well. Okay. I think you answered it all. That's I, great. Mm. Yes. Such great guidance. Well, Sophie, I have had so much fun talking to you and I expected <laughs> I would just based on your work. So I'm so grateful for your time. And will you tell everyone where they can find you, follow you, watch you on the telly, take your classes, all the stuff? Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, my general hub is sophierobinson.co.uk uh, and you'll find links to everything on there. I too have a podcast called The Great Indoors. Oh, yes, sorry. So you mm -hmm. can find that. I'm on Instagram as Sophie Robinson Interiors. And some of my shows make it over to the States where Hope Dream Home Makeovers has just come out here in the UK. They are hoping to find a distributor for it in America. It's not there at the moment, guys, but we're hoping because I know you have a lot of shows on your telly that are doing the white and the neutral thing. And I'm here to bring all the color and all the patterns. So I will try and push it across the Atlantic and fill your front living rooms <laughs> with the joy of maximalist interiors if I can. But otherwise, come and hang out with me on Instagram. I'm always there. Perfect. Perfect. And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, be sure to follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time, happy, happy decorating. decorating.